Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. We're going to go over here to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And what this is tonight, I'll give you a title, Seven Qualities of a Giver. And, um, you know, I'll start off by telling you about an article I read where this man told his story about how he had, he had seen a father and son go into McDonald's. And they'd gotten their food and they sat down. And the dad reached over and said hey, to the, the son's fries and goes, hey, can I have one of those? And the kid looked at him and goes, no, you can't have those. Those are mine. And he said, you know, it just, it just piqued his interest that in looking at that situation, he thought about three things that came to mind where, it's, where, where we're talking about God and the things that we have that, that are ours to control at any particular moment. And, and he came up with these three things. He said, we often fail to see where our things come from, not recognizing the true source. Everything you have comes from God. Number two, we frequently think that we're in full control of our possessions. And to a a great extent, you are. Um, You can choose. Now, God's already said, you know, he's already been very specific about the fact that when it comes to your finances, that first 10% belongs to him. And yet, you still retain the choice to give that back to him. But you're not giving him anything that's yours. You're giving him what's his. And number three, this man said, he said, we actually think that what we actually have is all our own, missing the fact that everything is God's. It all comes down to the very same thing. When I recognize that everything I am, everything that I have, its source is the Father God. And that it really is his to instruct me how to use it and what to do with it. There are aspects of our lives when it comes to giving that he leaves totally up to us. And there are other things that he has a say in and he wants to have a say. Starts off with your tithes. You know, we talked about that a lot, you know, during our giving and, and Lori taught about tithing and, and uh, Kira shared, you know, about her money management thing that they got on, you know, with the getting out of debt, that kind of stuff. But, you know, the thing about it is, you know, so many, so often we find ourselves in places where God is talking to us, and we know. We, if we're honest with ourselves, we know he's talking to us. And we're just like, nya, 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 I don't want to hear it. You know, and so we choose not to hear what he's telling us. Remember, whatever you have, it came from him to start with. And if he's asking you to do something with it, then there's a reason behind it. He wants to bless you. Because if you're giving, he wants to bless you. For, well, I'm going to get ahead of myself, so we won't do that. Let's just go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let's read the first six verses. It says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. That means generosity. 
Verse 3, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Now, I, yeah, I, I have stayed with the regular King James all these years. I just I hate to give it up, you know, but one day I will. But, you know, you, a message Bible is is a paraphrase. It's, a, it's not an actual translation. But let me read this to you out of the Message Bible tonight. It says, Now, friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches in Macedonia province. Now, there was the, the Jews in Jerusalem were going through a great deal of persecution, and the churches in Macedonia were wanting to help them. Anyway, it goes on. It says, fierce troubles, this is the church of Macedonia, fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. I was there and saw it for myself. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford, pleading for the privilege of helping out the relief of poor Christians. This was totally spontaneous, entirely their own idea, and caught us completely off guard. What explains it was that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. So that kind of helps make it a little more um, understandable. But let's go back and look at some of these things. In um, the first, in 8 verses 2 and 3, it says, how in the trial. Well, let, let's just go back to verse 1. It says, it talks about the grace of God. Did you know that one of the terms for grace, and we look at grace a lot of times, it's just unmerited favor, but I preached a message, and I love that message, and so I've preached it two or three times over the years, about grace. There isn't, there's an aspect of grace that is divine enablement, supernatural ability. And we have seen that there are times in our lives that there is supernatural ability in the area of giving. This church experienced supernatural ability in giving when we were paying off the building. Having paid off like $1.6 million, $1.7 million in 10 years, I think is absolutely amazing for a church no bigger than the size of ours. But there was, it started out, as soon as we started this thing, I remember Doug Brown saying every time he got up and he mentioned the building fund, we're paying this church off early. We're paying it off early. We're paying it off early. We're paying it off early. And at some point, we refinanced the loan, and so we would have less to pay each month, but we continued making the big payment. Listen, when you go from a payment of zero, which we had for all the years we were at the old church, to a $14,000 a month payment, that's like, whoa. But there was supernatural ability to come up with that 14 grand every month. And as the time progressed, you know, I saw people in this church giving in such a way that you knew it was God. You know, and, and we'll get on some more of these aspects here of about a giver. But you saw there was a grace to give. Listen, there will be times in your life, there will be times in the life of the church where there will be a supernatural ability, a supernatural grace that comes on this congregation to fulfill a particular purpose and a particular project. 
you know, we, we've gotten comfortable. This church has been paid off for almost seven years now. There's another building coming one day, folks. Don't get so comfortable that you're going, oh, my heavens, how are we going to afford that? You'll, you'll be able to. When the day comes, you know, and, and we need to, to get and move out and build another building. The next building probably will be a, like a big, you know, family life building. We could use it around here for a lot of things. You know, but when that time comes, don't go, oh, we're going to do what? You, you just say, a supernatural grace, a supernatural ability is coming on this congregation, on every member individually and every member in particular to make sure this project goes well, that it's paid for early. We could even do it in cash. I mean, when I look back at the history, you know, of how this building came to be and how this building came to be paid off, you know, I just look at all the members of this church and the ones who just gave themselves to it, and I saw that God prospered and God blessed with new jobs, with promotions, with, you know, better vehicles, with better homes. In the middle of their giving, there was a fine grace to get the job done. And the people of Macedonia had heard about the people of Jerusalem and they heard about the fact that they were they were so they were such in such need and they gave themselves to this. They gave sacrificially. You see that in verses 2 and 3. It says how in the great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy their deep poverty they didn't have much but what they have they were willing to give. Sometimes we think, well, I don't have anything. Yes, you do. You do. There is not anybody who doesn't have something to give. And it has nothing to do with amount. It has everything to do with just giving your part. And that's what these people in Macedonia did. They not only gave what they had, they gave abundantly. I, 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 I've told this story before, and it bears repeating, that there was a lady in this church who had a heart to give an older lady, retired, fixed income, and she was such a giver. And there came a day when she, she put in a small little book of stamps in the offering with a little note that said, I don't have any money. She truly had no money on her, none. But it was in her heart to give. She gave the stamps that were in her purse. A person like that, God can turn around and bless. And there were times then, you know, when, for, in her life when she had a need come up and God supernaturally supplied that need. You know, some of you may know who I'm talking about. But she, her heart was to give, but she would be ready to give sacrificially. You know, and what does sacrificial giving look like? It looks like, I had somebody explain this one time. Uh, my brother-in-law, pastor's brother, was, was living in, in, a, in Georgia, and their church was going to build a new building. And they had a, um, what do they call those people? Uh, that come in, stewardship program or something like that, you know, fundraiser program that, that come in, they, and they go to different people in the church, and they talk up the project, you know, get people to commit to certain things, and da-da-da. And uh, personally, I just think, you all know, just put the word out there and say, this is, this is what the word will do for you if you just do, do your giving part. But anyway, the people who had this program, this, this, this company comes in, they're professional fundraisers, came in and they said, sacrificial giving means that it alters your lifestyle to give what you pledge. Anybody ever been there? I altered my lifestyle to give when this building was being built. I altered my lifestyle when this building was, we were trying to get it paid off. Things that I would have liked, we put off. A different car, we put off. A different house, we put off. 
you know, we, you know, that it was, it was not something I felt like I had to do. It was something I wanted to do. You know, I would say, no, I don't want to spend money on that. I'd rather put it in the building fund. No, I don't want to do that. I would rather put it in the building fund. That's when you know where your heart is. You know, that's sacrificial giving. You know, on the other hand, you know, when, when there are people who come in, you know, like, you know, if you have ever happened to be in a church where there was a professional fundraising company that came in to help, you know, you know get all the, the funds together for a particular project in a church, you never give out of obligation, and we will be touching on that a little bit more. You never give out of obligation. You give out of what's, what God's talking to you about. For one person, it may be one thing, one amount. For somebody else, it may be ten times that. It's what God puts on your heart. But you have to be open to letting God talk to your heart. That's the key. You, ha- you have to be open. You know, if you don't want to give, just say, I don't want to. I don't want to. I mean, I appreciate that when people are that honest with me about, like, they haven't been in church in a long time. You know, they, I just, you know, where you been? I've had more than one person say, but it's only been a couple of people over all these years. Look at me and say, Pastor Angela, I'll just tell you the truth. I just don't want to. I'm like, hey, that's as honest as it gets, and that I, then I, you and I both know where we're at. You know, there's no excuses. You know, there's no wasting of my time or yours. I just don't want to. It's good enough. I know how to pray now is what I'm thinking in the back of my mind. I mean, God change your understanding and change your heart, you know, about that. But at least they're honest. Too often we find ourselves not being honest, especially when it comes to finances. You know, when it, it belongs to God. Well, you know, I got this as a gift, but I don't, I, you don't need to tithe on that. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, well, this, this didn't really come from my job. You know, it came from another source, so I don't need to tithe on that. Listen, everything of all that comes in, Jathan was Jacob that said this, of everything that you will give to me, of all the increase that you put in my life, I'll give the tenth to you. I am so careful to give God 10% of everything that comes into my hand that I didn't pay for. If somebody gives me 20 bucks, God's going to get two of it. If somebody gives me a necklace and I can figure out what the value of it is, I'm giving God 10% of that. Whatever comes into my hands at Christmas, if I can figure out what it was, you know, I love money at Christmas, people. I really do. You know, just let me go find out what I want. It may take me months to find out what I want, but just give me the money and I'll, just, I'll eventually take care of it. But, you know, if, I, if somebody gives me something, I'm going to tithe on it. Somebody gives me a gift card, I'm going to tithe on it. There's been some times, some people in this church, you have, you have come into a, to a, you know, some increase that was like, it wasn't a monetary increase, but it was a thing increase. And you had to figure out, man, this was such a big deal. I'm going to have to figure out where to get the money to tithe on this thing from. I know of somebody one time who received, you know, um, a large item from, from another person. And that person, because they're a giver, gave them money to pay the tithe on it. I said, boy, that, that's, that's one giver to another is what that is. You understand the principle of this thing. So then you, so then you have to tithe on the money that they gave you to tithe on. <laughs> but see, that's the, that's the deal here. Giving comes from, from out of the heart. And actually, if you, if you gave, um, if you look at verse, verse 5 and 6, the Macedonians, it says they first gave themselves to the Lord. That really is where you start. Even though that's down in verse, you know, five, that's really where we start. That's one of the qualities of a giver is they gave themselves first to the Lord. 
they gave themselves in such a way that they said, Lord, whatever, whatever you want us to do, we're willing to do. Doesn't it say in Isaiah that those who be, are willing and obedient will eat the good of the land? Willing and obedient. I've been obedient many times and not been willing. Ooh, many times. Many times. Mm, my heart wasn't in it. I did it because I felt like I had to. That's not what God wants. He doesn't want you to be just obedient. He wants your heart in the middle of it. And so when, when that day comes, you know, he, if, you're, if you're not willing, the obedience part doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't because you're not going to get a return on it when you're not willing. Um, you, you can't let people shove you into an obligation. I, I, I remember um, Pastor was in a, a conference a number of years ago, and it wasn't a huge conference. It was a fairly small conference, you know, you know, three, four hundred people max, maybe. And in the middle of this conference, uh, there was something that came up that the, the, pa- the people who were hosting the conference, you know, were putting a real pull on all the ministers who were present to give an X amount of dollars for a particular thing. He didn't have it in his heart to do. And she was, this, this person was having all these ministers, okay, if you're going to do this, if you're willing to give this, I want you to just stand right where you are. Now that puts you on the spot when everybody knows who you are. And everybody knows you're a pastor. And they know, you know, they've heard about you. And everybody's going to give X amount of dollars. Come to the platform. Oh, every, every, all these ministers who are willing to give this much money, you come and stand on the platform. You got one man here and another man who didn't go up there. Now, that takes some courage. Now, if that had been me, I'd have probably just done it out of obligation just so I wouldn't look bad, you know. And he just stood his ground. Why? Because if you don't give it with the right heart, where's the return on it? Where's the fruit of it? Are you looking for it? Go right ahead, baby. We got on the bus the next morning, and Randy Greer said, I appreciate you, Pastor Anders, for standing your ground. <laughs> but see, too many times people have gotten caught up in something that God's not talking to them about. And on the reverse, God's talking to a lot of people that they won't do anything about. You're you're hearing, but you're not obeying. When you put the two together is when the the good stuff happens, when the blessings start flowing. And I'm telling you, it's not as scary as a lot of people think it is. There are times when you kind of go, take a big breath and go for it. You know, because you know God's in it. When God's in it, you will not suffer because of what he's asked you to do. And these Macedonians knew, they knew first and foremost, they just knew God. They knew God is a giver. And if they're going to exhibit the nature of God, then they had to be givers too. And they did it. They just made themselves, you know, available to him. Okay, that's number, I don't know, we got, I don't know, we, don't, we can't even number these because I'm kind of mishmashing them all together. How about that? The, how about number one, they gave supernaturally, gave sacrificially. And number two, they gave personally. We'll call that personally. We've covered that part. Uh, number, number two, number three, that is, they gave supernaturally. We've talked about that. They gave above and beyond their ability. You know what? The Bible says for you to ask seed of the sower. So when somebody says, I don't have it to give, 
then what's the next step? Father, if you'll put it in my hands, I'll give it. That's the next step. You, you can't just stop and say, well, I don't have it to give. You have to follow that up with saying, but Lord, you put it in my hands, I'll give it. Many the time we've said, Father, you put it in our hands, we'll give it. And he did. Now, some people make the mistake of saying that, and then when it shows up in their hands, they don't do what they said they were going to do with it. They eat their seed instead of sowing their seed. The purpose of asking seed of the sower so you can sow it so you can reap a bigger harvest later. There's a harvest coming, folks. God is not mocked. If you don't grow weary in well-doing, you will see the fruit of what he's asked you to do. And the fruit of your obedience and the fruit of your willingness will come into play here. It'll come to pass. You might not see it next week, but it's coming. Listen, you have seen probably a lot more fruit in your life than what you even know because of the things God has preserved in your life. The things that he's kept running. I remember a car we had that I'm going, Lord, have mercy. I mean, every time we, you know, I look at it and go, Lord, can we please get rid of this thing? You know, it's just, you know. But God kept that thing running, kept that thing running. Kept it, kept it going, kept it going, kept it going. Listen, the reason that old clunker kept going was because we were sowing. God preserves the things that you have until you can, he can get you to the place where he can put something more in your hands. But listen, in the middle of all that, how you take care of the clunker is going to reflect on how well you, you're going to enjoy the blessings too. Just a little side thought there. You know, you take care of what you have. You might not look at it as a blessing, but if you didn't have it, what would, what would your life be like? Take care of what you I don't care what it looks like. It may not be the latest model of something. That might be the, the biggest house. It might not be the best of this or that. But take care of what you have so that God can bless you with, with more because that's being a good steward of what he's already given you. And we talked about that a number of weeks ago as well, being stewards. So anyway, they gave supernaturally beyond their ability. You know, and it doesn't matter. Like I said, I keep saying this because somebody needs to hear it. It's not the amount that matters. It's not the amount. Some people have an ability because of their, what's the place they are in life to do more than you can, but that does not alleviate your responsibility to hear God for yourself and do what he tells you to do. Amen. And I'm telling you, he's talking to you. Number, number, let's call this number four. They gave joyfully. In verse two again, it says, how in the great trial of their affliction and the abundance of their joy, the message Bible says, they were incredibly happy. Incredibly happy. If you go over this, this yeah, I mean, you go over to just one chapter, and it says uh, in verse nine, seven of chapter nine, it says, "God loves a cheerful giver." Now, I have there are several translations: a happy, prompt to do it giver. A happy, prompt to do it giver. Back in the charismatic days of the of the late seventies, there was a song that we used to sing, and it was it's God loves a cheerful giver. Give it all you've got. 
He loves to hear you laughing when you're in an awkward spot. When the odds add up against you, it's time to stop and sing. Praise God, to praise him is a joyful thing. I think we need to resurrect that song sometimes. God loves a cheerful giver. I am so happy to give. I mean, I'm so happy when the paycheck, before the paycheck is in the bank, I've got my tithe check written, and it's sitting there. It's waiting till Sunday morning gets here, and we can, we can pray over it in the back office, you know, and we can pray over it together and agree together and claim it, claim the return on our giving, and tell God how grateful we are, how honored we are to be able to give back to him what belongs to him, how joyous it is to give him offerings, you know, to missions and to whatever project you're going to. It's a joy to be able to give those things. I'm just going, I just want to do more, Lord. I just want to do more. I want, you put more in my hands, you'll get more. I promise you, you'll get more. You know, and, and he'll take you up on that. That's a challenge you can make and a challenge God will respond to. You give me more, I'll give more. And see, God wants to bless his church. He blessed these Macedonians. Because they had a heart to give. They were cheerful people in the middle of everything. There's, there's a, um, a, a teaching that, you know, that was, came out a number of years ago, back in the 80s, about sowing in famine. And I was looking at that the other day thinking, you know, sowing in famine. Now, there was part of the, that, that teaching that, that got a little messed up in some people's way they received it. But at the same time, when you're in the middle of an awkward spot, when you're in the middle of what looks like desert... God will provide the oasis. I love that, Mark. That was great. God will provide the oasis. If you'll give when it looks like, I got nothing. I got nothing. Let, let me tell you, this, this church has, has at times, you know, needed something, and, and we've given because, well, what we've got here to go toward this won't meet the need anyway. Let's just give it. Let's just sow it. We've done that. I know of plenty of other people who've taken opportunity when they needed something in their ministries just to say, well, what I've got here available for it is not enough to meet the need. Let's just sow it. They sowed it. The need got met. You know, there are times when you just have to know that there are times when God's going to talk to you about sowing in the midst. Yeah, but I, I've, I'm saving all this money for this, this, this. And see, that's a hard lesson for me to learn because I grew up poor. I mean, really poor really poor. And so the thing I've struggled with for all these years is making sure I had enough for us. You know, don't spend it on this. Don't give it away. No, this is, this is, we, we, we need this. We need this. You can't live life like that. That's not how God wants you to live. He wants you to live out of a heart that, that knows there's an abundance available to you and for you. So give joyfully. Number four, they gave willingly. We've talked about that. I messed my points up so bad tonight. It's terrible. Uh, they gave out of their own free will. Uh, listen, there's a part in here. Um, in the Message Bible, it says it like this. This is probably down in verse four. It says, they gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford, pleading for the privilege of helping out in the relief of poorer Christians. They were begging to be able to send their money. Let us do this. Let us help. You know, I, I've, seen, I've seen times over the years when we're doing a particular thing and, and, somebody, and somebody wants to give something, and I'm thinking to myself, you can't afford that. You shouldn't be doing that. That's too much. 
And God's had to pull me back in and rein me back in and said, if I'm talking to them, you leave them alone. Don't try, to, don't try to undo what I've been talking to them about doing. And I'm going, yes, sir. When it looks, there are some times when we, it looks like you can least afford it is when you ought to be saying, Lord, let me give. Let me give this. I want to give this. I want to do this. I want to be a blessing here. Let me give this. And that's what these Macedonians were doing. They were pleading because they counted an honor and a privilege to be able to help somebody else. Isn't that how we should look at everything where the Lord's work is concerned? It's not I have to, but I get to. I am blessed to be able to do this. That I am blessed exceedingly abundantly above my own ability. I have tapped in to God's ability by doing what I'm doing. Please, Lord, let me just do this. That's a person who's got an eye down the road to the return that's coming. Not what they've got for today, not what they've got just for tomorrow, but their eyes down the road going, there's a big harvest waiting for me. There's a big harvest. I'm going to bless somebody, and I'm going to get blessed in return. But their heart's not in the blessing they're going to get. It's a, it's a, their heart is in the blessing to somebody else. Hallelujah. Um, there's also they gave unexpectedly. Paul wrote in verse, verse 5, he said, uh, this is the Message Bible again. This was totally spontaneous, entirely on their own idea, and caught us completely off guard. What explains it was that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. Isn't it nice to give unexpectedly to somebody or to something? You people have been so good over these years to be a blessing. In the last year or two, especially, I have been amazed at the offerings you have given to some of our guest speakers. They have, uh, I mean, you, you really did, the last few people who've been here, they have been completely overwhelmed by the offerings from this church. You have a reputation of being a generous church. You do. Shekinah, you know, it was, it was um, when they were here, they came here, they were here with us on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night. They were over in Melrose on Sunday and on Monday. But on Saturday, we had lunch with them in Gainesville, and I said, give me time just to get to the office, put all this in the computer. That way I can get you a check. I can bring it to you at lunch. You know, you can have that to take back home with you. And I was shocked I was like, whoa, when I added all that up. And when I wrote the check, I was even more thrilled. I was thrilled. And so when we got to lunch, I handed it to them. I said, oh, here's your, here's your offering. They said, you're looking awfully pleased with yourself. And I said, I'm just pleased with God. You know? And they said, well, does that mean we can open it? And I went, yeah. And they went, oh, my goodness. And we've heard from them a two or three times about what a blessing it was because they found out that they needed to go to France right about the same time. And there was the money for them to be able to make the trip to France. France is in a terrible state right now. A terrible state. The gospel is the only thing that's going to turn that country around. And who better to send than a singing group that looks so innocent and so innocuous you know, and when they get over there, just the life of God just goes on. 
because of what they're willing to do. You play a part in that, especially this June when they're in France. You're offering specifically, the last time they were here, is helping get them to France. And, it, and it's happened several times in the last year. Don't come in here when a guest speaker comes and just say, well, I give them give my usual 50. 50 is what everybody gets. I don't ever give anybody more than 50. Don't come in here like that. You come in here expecting. Many times I have sat down here and gone, okay, this is what I, this is what I think I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to give you know, this particular guest speaker. And I sit down there and God says, double it. Yeah. I'm going, okay, okay. Don't come in here with a set thing in mind. Let God talk to you. Let God talk to you. Listen, I sat down today, and I, and I thought, you know, I, I just want you to know how generous this church is. You know, we're not a big church, and I, I've talked to several people who are in traveling ministries that, that are well-known worldwide, and, and I had this one particular person tell me. I said, I said asked one time, I said, you, I mean, you kind of, kind of offerings you get, I mean, you, you go big places and small places, you know, they kind of, you know, proportionate. And she said, honestly, not always. She said, I went to a place one time that was probably had about 1,200 people in attendance. And she said, my offering came out to about a dollar a person. And I went, you have got to be kidding me. I would never send anybody away with anything like that. Never. And so a church of 200 people has done exceedingly abundantly well. Last year, in the year of 2018, I got all the, the financial papers out this afternoon, and I started adding it all up. And I took out, and I, I added up money we have given to missionaries, money we've given to guest speakers, money we've given to other ministries for one reason or another, all these different areas that we've given, money we give to retired ministries. Do you know we give to retired? We have four retired. We had five. One of them has passed away and gone to heaven. We give money every single month to four other ministers personally because they've retired and they do not have any money. They live on very little, and so we supplement them to the tune of about 300 bucks each a month. You are blessing these men who've given their lives to the gospel. So I added up the money we've given to missions, the money we give to guest speakers, the money we give to retired ministers, money we've given to other churches for one reason or another, other ministries, whatever. Money that we have sowed into other ministers or ministries. And last year, somebody that we know had a fire in their church. And, I mean, millions of dollars worth of damage. We immediately sent them $10,000 because they had to relocate their services to another place while this is being. Now, they're being blessed, and the insurance is kicking in, but it's going to take them a full year at least to get back in that building. And we sent them $10,000 right away. Can you imagine, can anybody just guess how much money this, this, this church, this local church, has sown into other ministries or ministers? Anybody want to guess? Anybody want to just hazard a guess? You know, 50000 60000 No. How about to the tune of $263,000 in the year of 2018 alone? You've got some big seed out there. You need to expect a big return. You say, well, I only gave this much. It doesn't matter how much it was if, unless it was not what God told you to give. If you weren't open to hear what God had to say about what you gave, then you can't claim much of that blessing. I mean, let's face it, folks. 
when we paid off the church building, there were people who were like, yay, we've paid off the building. We've paid off the building. Yay, it's great. This is wonderful. And we had a big dinner on the grounds, and, and, and the general fund just covered lunch for everybody. We had it catered. It was a tent, all this kind of stuff. And, 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 and a, one particular individual, I, I spent more on their lunch than they had put in the building fund in 10 years. So if you're in that boat, you can't claim the blessing that's on this church. But if you've been consistently faithful to what God talks to you about giving when it comes to guest speakers, when it comes to missions, when it comes to the projects, listen, every project that goes on in this local church, you are to give to. I'm not telling you how much. I'm telling you, you listen to God. But just, well, I don't want to give to that pro- special project. No, I don't want to give to missions. No, I don't want to give to the IFC missions. No, I don't want to give to the Cornerstone Church who experienced a hurricane last year. We gave them 20 grand. Don't come in here saying, no, I don't want to. That's not what God's asking. He didn't ask you if you wanted to. He's telling you that you need to give something. He needs you to be open to what he's talking to you about you giving. You know, I I bypass. Since we started this house project, we've had more opportunities to give. My goodness. And there are times I scratch my head and go, yeah, but Lord, I I know. I know what you said. I, I, I spent all those years giving into the church building fund, and you're blessing me with a new house. In the middle of building this house, I'm st- we're still giving. We're still giving more than I would have ever expected to give, and you're blessing us. And our house is going to get finished, and we're going to have what we want in this house. I know that. So if you're in that same boat, let me tell you, people, you got a big harvest coming. Let's just run through the qualities of giver one more time, and I'll keep them in the order I wrote them down in. Okay. Um, because you can follow it along through chapter 8 here. You can find all these in, the, in this order. Number one, they gave sacrificially. Number two, they gave supernaturally. Number three, they gave joyfully. Number four, they gave willingly. Number five, they gave eagerly. Number six, they gave unexpectedly. And number seven, they gave personally. Amen. And I'm telling you what, if you want, because you, we know that, that the Bible's not written in chapter and verse, if you follow ch- uh, chapter 8 going into verse 9, you know the verse that we go to almost every Sunday, especially if pastor's doing the offering. Let every man give as, according as he's purposed in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing, come to you in abundance that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, requiring no aid or support, but furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. And if you don't know that verse, you haven't looked at the offering envelope lately. You haven't looked at the bottom of your financial statement every year. It's there every single week and every single year. It's a verse you ought to be taking to heart all the time because you are a generous people. You are. Why? Because you've got the life and the nature of God on the inside of you. That's a, Let the real you come out in your giving. And I'm telling you what, you will reap a great harvest. But you have to expect that harvest to come back. You, when you give, don't just, just give it and just go on about your business. No, 
That's money I sowed. That's money that's returning to me. Finances, I put God's things first. It's coming back to me. God loves me enough that that he wanted me to give this. He loves me enough. He's going to return it to me. He's going to shower me with blessings. I'm going to be overcome. Blessings are going to run me down and take me over. Hallelujah. In this life, I'm going I'm to enjoy everything that God's got for me. I'm not going to miss out on anything because I'm a giver. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.